was like, man, how they gonna teach me? How I'm gonna teach them how to wheel? I barely know myself. They say, trust me, you got it. Just tell them everything you do, and you good. University of Alabama's Colorado's College of Business is Family Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and the show today, Tremaine McIntosh. This is part two of our three-part series with Tremaine. During this episode, we talk about his journey to Florida, as well as his experiences welding across the United States. Looking at your experiences, are you a planner? I do plan. Like, I literally plan to leave Birmingham at the age of 21. So I knew that as a kid. I said, as soon as I hit 21, I'm going to be gone. The only reason I said 21, because I didn't want limitations on what I could do. So I was like, at 21, they pretty much don't have no more limitations. So I could do whatever I want now. So I was like, that'll be the perfect time to get up and just go. Right. So you you make the eight-hour trek down there on motorcycle. You end up in Jacksonville, Florida, correct? Yeah, Jacksonville, Florida. What's the plan? Obviously, you want to attend school, but what does it look like for yourself? So at that point, all I had knew was I was going to welding school. Everything else in between, I didn't care about because I like, this is what I want to do. I'm dedicated to doing this, no matter what it takes. So after I got there, I didn't probably get there to like, three o'clock in the morning. And I got orientation at like eight o'clock. Now, when I got there, I didn't know where I was going to sleep. Like the school set me up with a hotel room or whatnot. I didn't even know the hotel room was going to let me in that time. So I got there, got checked in the hotel room. School didn't tell me I had a roommate. Didn't know that. So I get in the room. There's another guy in here. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Like this guy, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm walking here in a suit, an all-black rain suit. I don't know what this guy might get up and do. Like, so I had to sit down and introduce myself or whatnot. Guy ended up turning out to be a real cool guy. He was actually, he was actually an ex-drug addict. That I wouldn't know he was on drug addict, but I sat down and got real cool with a guy. He was only there for like two more weeks. He ended up going back home, and I never seen or heard from the guy again. And this guy might have been in his 50s. So he was an older guy. But while he was there, he taught me a lot. Because God don't bring you to a situation for no reason. So we said that we talked. He he literally taught me about contracting. This is the reason why I never had a job. Because he was like, if you're a contractor, you always get paid more than the people who work for the company. Just remember that. But you don't get paid the uh, benefits. So I was like, okay, cool. So you talking about per diem and all that. You know, you familiar with per diem and stuff? Not too familiar. So per diem is what the IRS set aside for people cost of living when they move to a different area, when they're working a job. So as long as you're working a job, going every day, you get paid per diem. Per diem is tax-free. Nobody can touch it. So you get your hourly rate plus your per diem. Once he told me that, I said, so. I'm going to be a contractor. So the whole time I was in well school, that was one thing on my mind, being a contractor, being a contractor. Because you make two, three thousand dollars a week easily. Wow. Right. And like you might get 12 of it might be tax free. So you like, 
okay, I need to get on this per diem and make that my income instead of trying to work a job just to get an hourly rate. So how many weeks, months was welding school for you? It was a, a nine-month program. Okay. And during those nine months, you're learning all the skills, what it takes to go into welding, basics of welding. What does that look like for yourself? So I graduated from Tulsa Welding School. So shout out to Tulsa Welding School. I know somebody might see this or something, you know. So I went to Tulsa Welding School. It was, uh, I want to say, a seven month program but I think I had to go nine because of the time I went it was the holidays so you had Thanksgiving Christmas then you had uh, other holidays so you had it's a time thing just like regular school so I didn't end up graduating until like June June the 30th I think so when I got done with that once I graduated that it was a nine month program so I ended up learning pipe structural, high-frequency T, me, flux core, all that stuff. So you pretty much learn everything about welding. Well, because I didn't have no choice, I learned mine a lot faster than everybody else. So when I got there, now I'm staying in the hotel. It's cool or whatnot, but I wasn't comfortable in the hotel because, you know, in, you're in one of these little rundown, rinky-dink hotels. You got to pay a weekly rate, about 300 some dollars. Now, I still ain't got no job. So still got to make this payment. And I think I, I was on unemployment then. I only had like $500 in my pocket to start off with. So I ended up telling them, give me the first week free, and then I'll just pay you a week behind like that. So that's how I ended up kind of scratching out and stayed until, I want to say around January. And then I actually ended up creating a job at my school. I went to him. I was like, hey, man, what y'all going to do about painting the building and all this stuff? They said, well, we use a hire contractors to do it while y'all on Christmas break. I said, why not just hire the students to do it since we here and we need money and I ain't got no job. They ain't got no job. Let's just make this a job. They said, okay, let us think about it. So by that time, Christmas came. The guy I was talking to came to me. He was like, said, man, you know what? I gave that idea to the, um, I don't know what the person, I guess called the principal. I don't know in college president or dean or whatever. So they she told he told her the idea. She was like, that's a good idea. We're gonna get the work done. The students get to make some money. And we ain't gotta spend as much money. So they was like, cool. So I think it was like it was three weeks. So three weeks school shut down at the Christmas break. We painted the whole building. So when everybody came back, whole building is a whole different color. They were like like, man, what happened? It's like, man, Tremaine had hooked everybody up with a job during the break that didn't go home, and we kind of made some good money. There you go. Making opportunities for yourself. You graduate. Like you said, you wanted to be in contracting. You want to be a contractor, specifically in welding, correct? Yes. What does that look like for you? Like, Where do you find jobs? How would you go about getting your first contracting job? So while I was in welding school, now I remember it was a nine-month program. So at that time, you could go you could go learn as much as you want. So I think the school was open like 15 hours. Since I wasn't working, at least 10 hours I was at school. So 10 hours out of the day, I'm in there learning how to weld. So once they showed me, the first thing we learned was stick welding. So when I first started learning stick welding, 
I kept practicing on it, kept practicing on it, because I was like, I need a job weld. I'm not going to work on nothing else but weld. So about a month, about, well, it was after December. So after December, we had, did it shut down, painted the school, made a little money so I could make it through the rest of the time. I ended up getting an apartment during that time, too, because I needed somewhere to stay. So I was like, I'm not going to keep paying the, the hotel 300 some dollars a week. When I go get an apartment for $600 a month or something like that. Right. So I went and did that. Got an apartment. I ain't had no furniture or nothing. Still ain't got no job now. I don't even know how I end I forgot how I ended up doing it, but it was somehow I ended up getting that to work somehow. Anyway, I got the place, whatever. Went and bought an air mattress or whatnot. So, all right, this is all I need for now. I'm good. I ain't in a hotel no more. I'm in a place. So I'm like, I get my income tax money or something, buy me some furniture or whatnot. That's what I end up doing. But during that time, I also learned how to weld really well, stick welding. And I went and actually worked at the shipyard as a fire watch. So when you work on the naval shipyards, they when you weld on, say I'm welding on this wall right here. So the heat's going to transfer to the opposite side of the wall. And the paint they use is very flammable. So when you get on the other side of the wall, that is going to be a nice little fire and amber coming from the welder. So they had to pay people to be on the other side of the wall at all times. So they don't want nothing to catch on fire because you should have something to catch on a neighbor ship on fire. That could be a million dollar process to fix it easily. So I took the job doing that. Now, while I was doing it, I was around nothing but welders. So I actually got tips from them and learned some more stuff. Now, while I was working that job, I was still applying for welding jobs. Because at this time, I'm I'm like, you know what? I'm confident now that I'm going to get a job welding. So it was actually a company called BAE Systems, which is in, I want to say it's a, it's a global company. So they be, they pretty much do a lot of repair work and commercial work on on different types of ships. And when you say ships, you mean like cargo ships, like the ones in the ocean, like that kind of stuff? They had cargo ships and naval ships. Okay. So, so military and commercial. Yeah, military and commercial. So at that time they was building they was building this hybrid ship. This ship was uh made with a Range Rover motor. This ship was made to go any direction. So the motor literally rotate inside the up under the uh the actual hull of the ship and literally rotate it to whichever way you wanted to go. And it was a supply boat for Shell, Chevron, all them BP, all them little, you know how they got the oil rigs and stuff? Mm-hmm. This ship was made to go to the oil rigs back and forth. Gotcha. And transport people. So I got a job actually doing that. It was, I don't remember if it was through the school. I think it was through the school. Because it was like maybe 12 people with me. All of us had to go take the well test to get the job because I think they was looking for like maybe five. So I'm like, I can't afford to fail no well test. This is my first shot. I got to make it good. Come to find out, I over-excelled. <laughs> so I took my first well test and instead of them paying me what they usually pay a person, like $15 an hour, once I had to meet, sit down meet with the supervisor, I ended up telling him, I said, I've been doing electrical work since I was nine years old. And I started just like ran off some of the stuff I knew about electrical work, just making it sound good. I really didn't know what I was talking about because this this, this is a maritime. It's different from residential. But I was at the other job, fire watching. 
but I was working for an electrical company. So I used that experience to get me that job over there. And then I used, I leveraged that to actually get me a higher paying rate. So instead of starting off at 15, they started me off at 18. And that became a problem when people found out about it. It was like, hold on. This guy don't even know nothing about welding. He'd been welding. I think at that time, I might have been welding three months, maybe. He, not, probably not even. <laughs> it's like I literally was still in school. So they was like, man, how he end up getting welded, get the job, and get a higher rate than everybody else? They said he welded it better than everybody else. So why wouldn't he get higher paid than everybody else? And I was like, yeah, I did it better than everybody. Now, at this time, I didn't know I did it better than everybody else. So I'm thinking I'm just normal, you know. All right, I got the job. Yeah, I got a little raise more because I knew a little bit more. And I literally knew a little bit more about doing business than most of the people because I'd been doing business since I was young. So, so I was able to talk myself up a little bit better. So I got that job. Here we go again. Somehow I'm trying to stay in the back. I'm back in the front again. So now this time it was a guy. He'd been working there maybe 20 some years. He ended up hurting his back. But once I got there, he kind of stopped doing like his job like as much and started being like more of on the supervisor side. So because he knew I was good. So he showed me how to do this stuff. And once I got it down, I was like, okay, cool. I'm good now. So you show me what I need to do. I'm good. So I'm welding stuff. After so long, they noticed like, okay, he's highly efficient at welding. So we're going to have him to teach other people. So they started partnering me with other guys that I was going to welding school with, teaching them how to weld. I was like, man, how they going to teach me? How I'm going to teach them how to weld? I barely know myself. They say, trust me, you got it. Just tell them everything you do, and you're good. So I ended up partnering with some other people, teaching them how to weld. All these guys ended up becoming great welds after that. So I was like, maybe I got some. So this is the first time I was like, first time welding. I ended up in charge of everybody else, teaching them how to weld. So I was in charge of the pilot house. So while I was in charge of the pilot house, we had to put up cable trays. So that's just pretty much where they hold down the wires and stuff. And they kind of tie them down so it won't be flopping everywhere. And when you say pilot house, to someone who doesn't know that term, that's the pretty much the bridge of the ship, correct? Where everyone right. is like driving the ship. That's where everybody driving the ship and print all the buttons and stuff. So it's a ton of wiring, a ton of cable management, basically is what you were in charge of. Right. Okay. Now that goes back to my daddy now. That's right. exactly what my daddy used to do, stuff he'd do it on airplanes. I literally, that literally just came to my mind. I never really thought about that till just now. That's probably where that all stimulated from. So I ended up doing the pilot house like six months ahead of schedule. So now they didn't have no blueprint. I literally just designed it off of what they needed. So the electricians in there running wire, it's like, okay, we got to run some wires here, here. I looked at the, uh, the actual blueprint of them doing electrical work because I, I was doing electrical work. I already knew how to read the blueprint. So I'm like, okay, y'all need wires going this way, this way, this way. All right, I need this size cable tray going this way, this size going that way, this size going that way. I'm going to build it like this so I don't have to do all this extra work. I don't know if I was being lazy or I was just being smart. I think I was being more smart than lazy. And Smarter, not harder. Yeah, you got to work smart. Like, who want to work hard? So I ended up building these cable trays, and it worked perfect. Now, at this time, 
me and the boss man's getting into it because he's like, he's doing, he's he getting the big head. So he said I was getting the big head. I'm saying I'm not getting the big head. Just I know that I'm good. It's just like I can't help that I'm good. He got mad at me because uh we ended up getting into it about uh he started at the bottom and had to work his way up. He got mad at me because I said I didn't start at the bottom. I started in the middle. It's kind of how I like, I like the role in life, but he didn't like that, so it ended up causing problems and. I ended up having, I ain't, he had, actually ended up firing me like right before Christmas. But it was cool because I was like, okay, you fire me. Okay, I'm going to go home for the holidays. Should I go get another job? So I'm like, I'm fast forward so we keep the store going faster. So I ended up going, getting fired, whatnot, right before Christmas. Like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now. So one of my friends called me for a job in Texas. Now that, that job, was I working for the company? That might have been the only job I had. That might have been the only job I had. It's the only time you weren't contracting. No, that was the only job I had working for the actual company. Huh. And I worked there maybe six months, maybe a year. Okay. I didn't make it. I probably made it eight months. Never know. I wouldn't, I was a horrible employee because, <laughs> like, I always, I always thought for myself. So it's kind of hard for me not to think for myself. If you tell me to do something, I'm going to think about the best way to do it in the quickest way. And that's kind of how I roll. But I ended up leaving that job because we got fired, whatnot. Whatever. I went. My friend called me from Texas. He said, man, I got a job out here in Texas making like 30 an hour. Now, this is back in 2012. And I think it was like 30 and 120. Wow. So I was like, oh, man, that's almost two, three grand a week we can make. I said, oh, I'm on the way. He was like, man, I told the people about you, but they don't really know you coming. So you got to come up here and just kind of get the job. So uh, at that point, I had wrecked my motorcycle in between that point, too. So now I got a car. So I literally loaded everything I could fit in the car. Anything that didn't fit, just had to, just had to stay. You know, I didn't care. I'm like, forget it. It is what it is. It's thirty dollars an hour. I can buy it again. Only, you know, this this made it through school, so now I'm done with school. Time for the next mission. So I literally packed up, left, and went all the way. It was a uh, Freeport, Texas. So when I got to Freeport, Texas, I was like, man, I don't even know if I'm gonna get this job or not. Like, I'm literally just gonna pull up on the morning of the job and just walk in there like. Like I supposed to be there, cause like your friend, your your friend told you about the job, but didn't say, hey, like they want you to come. I you never just... talked to anybody about the job. Okay, so you pretty much just show up in Texas. Uh, I pretty much just showed up. And it's on a whim. Okay, yeah. Okay. So I was like, okay, I just showed up. So I literally just walked into place while they with my friend, like I was supposed to be here. And I was like, man, they told me I had to be here today to take a well test and all that. They was like, we have no records of you. We don't know who you is, but you're here and you're ready to work. So I was like, I'm here and I'm ready. That's what I kept telling them. I'm here and I'm ready to work. Like, you gonna, you need people to work. And I'm here fully dressed. I got on all my PPE. I got my welding hood. I got my hard hat. I got my gloves. I got on my safety vest. Everything you need for me to go to work. So they was like, okay, cool. You got to go fill out the paperwork, though. So I had to go fill out the paperwork, do the drug test and all that stuff. So I ended up getting a job. They was like, 
he already healed. Like, why would we send him home? He he stay all the way in Florida. Like, I kind of figured they was like, I mean, if somebody show up to work all the way from another state, most likely you're going to get the job whether they got a job or not. Right. Just because of the dedication. And that was my theory. If it would have worked, if it wouldn't have failed, I mean, I don't know what I would have did, but I would have still got a job somewhere, you know. I don't know how to weld, so I was like, cool. Texas is known for welding, so it's like, I'm going to find a job. So it was worth the risk. So you're working in Texas. You're pretty much walking on the job and get it there. You said it's like six to eight months you're working for that company. What was the plan afterward, after you're done with that job? What did you so, want to do? This job was in Freeport. So they actually ended up sending me to San Antonio to work for GE. So we was building um we was building a natural gas refinery. Okay. That's what it was in San Antonio. Well, it was actually in New Braunfield. And when I left that job, well, I worked there, I think I worked there for like eight months too. So I worked there for a good little minute at the time the job started winding down. So at that time I already knew that was gonna go. I was like, ah. Uh, I've been gone from home from now. This maybe this might be two years, three years. I've been gone from the house now, so I'm like, oh, I want to go back home for a little bit. So at that time, they laid us off, so I came home for a little bit. And because I was working at the GE plant, the guys kind of told me the benefits of working for GE. So I said, okay, I want to be a contractor for GE because that job paid good money, and I know they got to have somebody to do their contract work. So I end up finding a company that do the contract work and end up getting a job with them. So now I'm working for GE, but not directly for GE, but as a contractor, like a, I guess they call it like one of these sectors. You know how GE got oil and gas, energy, all that stuff. They so got all those divisions. Like it's a, they it's got a, a, it's a conglomeration. It's right. pretty much how it's set up. Where they got you know jet engines, they got you know power plants, all that kind of stuff you're talking right. about. So I went to work for the company that did all that repair work. Okay. Which is based out of Florida. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll be doing three weeks on, three weeks off. So I go out to a job, work three weeks, then I go back home. So I done that for like maybe six or seven months. Went doing building turbines to working on airplane parts and all types of stuff. And I actually liked that job because they pay for your hotel. They pay for your rental car, your food. And then, like, some of these places had actual, you know, uh, cafeterias on the job. So you go in there and eat good, and you're paying $2 for lunch. They give you per diem, like, $120, $150 a day. Your rental car paid for they paying for your gas, your hotel. I was like, oh, I'm living good. I'm going to stick to this for a little while. Then after so long, I got tired of just working off and on. So, because it kind of got kind of boring, because I would work, I would work with them for three weeks. Then after the three weeks up, I'll take time off and come back home and work on my own stuff. Cause I still had my daddy company too. Right. Which we was at that time. I think we, we had got some uh, contracts with some schools. So then I was doing electrical work for the schools and fixing stuff for them. And then see what else after that, I ended up coming here. So I did a G job work with my pops. Then after so long, I got tired of being back in Birmingham. So once I got tired of being here, I was like, it's time for me to go hit the road again. Because 
I mean, 21 years old, I had no responsibilities and I was making like two, three grand a week. In different states, I go wherever I want, do whatever I want. It, you couldn't tell me nothing. Right. I ended up, actually, while I was working at GE, I ended up getting an apartment with a waterfall outside the window and everything. I was like, oh, I'm living it up. I'm still now, I'm still young. So I'm like, I could, I could do whatever I want to do. I don't have no responsibility. So if I want to go buy the nicest apartment I could get, I could do that. But when I came back to Birmingham, I stayed here for, I want to say, maybe a year, year and a half. No, I think I stayed here exactly one year. After that, I took a job in Virginia where I was going to build, uh, I want to say the Kennedy. Okay. They, I think they just now might be rolling that Kennedy out because it takes seven years to build an aircraft carrier. So just to make sure everyone who's listening is aware, the Kennedy is a aircraft carrier in yeah. the U.S. Navy. So you're working on a Navy shipyard. Yeah, nuclear aircraft carrier. Those are massive ships. Can, can you massive. give someone the a scale of like how big one of those ships are? Oh, let's see. If I had to explain it, you could put almost on a on a flight deck, you could put almost three to four football fields in length. And wide, I think it was like almost 50 yards wide. So it's like maybe 40 stories high. Now it's in a dry dock, so you can see the bottom of the ship all the way to the top of the ship. And once it's sticking up, it's sticking out the ground a pretty good amount. If anybody in Newport News, Virginia, or in that area, you would definitely drive by the Huntington Ingalls shipyard and see it. Like, you can't miss it. Sitting there, it's like, you might see a couple of them in the water because in Norfolk, Virginia, is where the biggest um, naval base at. So that's where most of all the aircraft carriers for this side of the United States sits at. The rest of them is in San Diego and uh, Washington. That's Tremaine McIntosh, founder of God Gifted Hands. Please join us for our final episode with Tremaine in which he talks more about what God-gifted hands is and what he aims to do for the future and bringing the trade back to Birmingham, Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to Bama Means Business. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. As always, roll tide.